everyone, welcome back to Sketchicast. Man, it has been a very relaxing week so far. I don't know about y'all, but it feels good to end off this month with another banger of an interview. And that person we'll be interviewing right as of this moment is a very close friend of mine. She goes by QNUKUN on Twitter and pretty much all social media, but we're just going to call her Christina. So, what's up, Chris? Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem, no problem. How are you? I'm tired. We're both tired, folks. We are ready to just call it a, a night, but we got an interview to do. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get it done. <laughs> get it done. All right. <laughs> With that said, uh, to kick things off, um, Christina, would you mind telling the lovely viewers at home what you're doing right now as of this moment, be it like professionally or anything else? Um, I am currently avoiding my professional responsibilities and drawing fan art. Like any art student. <laughs> I'm finally joining in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took you a few years. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I take it like even during the pandemic, fan art's kind of what you've been um, doing a lot now? Yeah. Before, like a few months ago, I had two different freelance jobs, so a lot of my personal artwork outside of classwork was typically commissioned, but I dropped one of those jobs, so I have a lot more free time to do personal artwork, and that personal artwork just happens to be a lot of fan art now. <laughs> nice. Oh, what's your favorite character to make fan art of? Um, lately I've been really into an anime named, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, and my favorite character from that show is Shoko Yeri. Nice. I feel like, um, I mean, I haven't seen the show by any means, but I feel like, is that a, like a very recent anime? Um, so this is off the top of my head. Um, it started airing around, like, November. I got into it around January, though. Ah. I, I feel like a lot of Japanese animation, especially, like, TV shows, have kind of, like, They've evolved in terms of the style more so. Like, I mean, I don't know so much about the stories and all that, but, but like, you know, stylistically, a lot of it's just super fucking detailed. Yeah, and uh, especially uh, for Jujutsu Kaisen, a lot of the animation character design is... Well, the character design in general, you can distinguish most of the characters by their silhouette. Right. And a lot of it is pretty simplified, but the animation quality and some of the coloring choices that they made throughout the show are very significantly higher quality than what I've seen in at least recent anime. Not that like other anime haven't done as amazing a job because I, I can think of a few off the top of my head, but just because it really sucked me in. <laughs> nice. That's, that's pretty cool though. Maybe I should give it a watch if it comes on Netflix or something. Yeah, I think right now it's only on Crunchyroll, mm. uh, but it does come on Netflix, that would be amazing. So fan art aside, um, I take it you're in animation, right? Yes. What got you interested in wanting to pursue that art form? So animation in general is something that I really appreciated and liked for a long time. And initially when I declared my major, I was going to go into illustration. And I realized that certain things that came with illustration were things that I could apply to animation instead. Like, for example, like, storyboarding and, like, layout design or character design. Like, seeing those characters come to life for me, you know, and being able to contribute to something like that is what really made me want to go into animation specifically. I see. 
Yeah, I feel like animation is just such a broad method of creating stuff in general. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, drawing a character frame by frame or moving a puppet and all that stuff. Like, it can stem from storyboards and layouts and even in the sound effects department, too. There's such a whole wide array of that. It's especially if you're an indie filmmaker or student filmmaker where you got to do most of the work yourself. <laughs> so you do stuff that you might not be familiar with, but you still do it anyway. Like, yeah, I think... Uh... Classes that I've been taking, I've had to do a little bit of everything. You just become your own one-man team. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of college projects are one-man teams anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, given all of that, I take it that, especially when, when a lot of artists have tended to form their own styles over time, even if that takes a while, um, given like all the stuff you want to do for animation and all that, and sort of prepping up your own artwork... Uh, what type of artwork do you usually assert yourself with the most? Because you mentioned anime and all that. So, like, is that what you tend to gravitate towards or something? Um, I think a lot of my artwork is definitely influenced by Japanese media. But I've been trying to lean more into... Honestly, it's it's kind of like a mixture of what I see on like social media. <laughs> like, I'll, although, I, like, admittedly, a lot of my art started from being influenced by Japanese media in the past few years. I've been really inspired by like other artists that I've seen around me in at least the Western Hemisphere. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't really feel like I have any specific style that I can say off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I take it like in that case what your own work normally would look like is kind of derived off of like other styles so to speak yeah it's just kind of a mixture of everything i like and my own personal twist on it you're gonna have some pretty harsh competition then yep <laughs> as long as you as you can add like a twist to it or something you should be okay yeah of course and for me even my personal artwork it's inspired by a lot of japanese media but right. I'm not afraid to pursue other styles depending on the project. I just don't post a lot of that work. Would you ever do the Cuphead style? No. <laughs> well, if the opportunity called for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, if I, if I were doing an animation that, like, or at least, like, some kind of character uh, design project, I might look at that as, like, an example of interesting character design. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't say anything off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm like kind of brain rotting right now. No, I, I kind of get what you mean, though. I, given all the stuff that's out there, you'll probably find, like, if you were to see an example, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that, you, you know, you, you can't just be one or the other because there's just so much stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, You mentioned, like, layouts and all that beforehand. Aside of animation, do you prefer doing storyboards or layouts? And if so... Do you prefer doing it traditionally or digitally? Um, I prefer doing most of my work digitally. I'm mm -hmm. not afraid to do it traditionally. Like, there are times where I will work on storyboards on paper. Or, like, at least the initial draft I'll do on paper, because that's sometimes a little easier for me. Right. Um, and I do the same even when I do illustrations. I'll draft it on paper, and then I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm going to go with. And then I'll start working on it digitally. But for the most part... All of that I do on the computer, yeah. And I think between the two, I do prefer doing storyboards. Like, if it came between storyboards and layout design, because those are the two things I'm pursuing the most. And to be completely honest, layout design is not something I'm amazing at. 
Right. <laughs> like, I, I came in thinking I would go into character design and storyboarding, <laughs> but I want to branch outside of character design because I think that my abilities in character design are very limited, and I wouldn't right. be able to compete in such a competitive environment with my current level of character design. I think I know exactly what you mean, because, like, when I started off in college, like, not even, um, you know, Micah or anything, but, like, my, my first college, I was way more focused on just doing like the animation side of things so like character animation effects and all that that was my main focus i didn't want to do anything else and then over time i was like you know what i kind of prefer doing layouts now (laughs) because i've kind of learned over time that really strong layouts actually dictate not even just shot composition but they actually dictate better movement Mm -hmm. definitely especially when a lot of animation has to be severely like calculated like well not maybe not calculated but but like it has to be thoroughly planned out so you better make those layouts work even if it's like in tv animation you still got to make those layouts read well you know yeah like i don't even know how japan does it with those bigger budgets and all oh and not even to mention how detailed the background paintings are oh my god yeah just like i i can't even I can't. <laughs> non non-union. Ugh. Uh yeah. Animation industry there is very scary. <laughs> yeah. Would you work there if you had the chance? Even if I had the chance, I don't think financially I could do it. <laughs> or even economically. Like, if I, I think like most like most of the animators in Japan, from what I know, or at least from what I've seen, you just have to have the passion to keep doing it. Like if I was told like, oh my god, I get to work on this dream project you know right but i'm gonna get paid basically dirt i'd probably do it yeah <laughs> it's my dream project you know a, a lot of studios like one episode of a show will, will be finished the day it airs you know yeah yeah it's it sounds very scary though i don't know if i'd be able to make it in that sort of environment to be honest like the type of pressure right unless you were like inherently masochistic or something but you're not a masochist you're just a workaholic <laughs> uh, honestly what difference does it make though yeah that's true that's true so work aside um like i i guess since we're talking about we're workaholics and all that what would you say are the benefits and drawbacks of doing freelance work For one, it pays well. Yeah. Depending it, depending it, on the gig. Yeah, and I've been lucky enough to have a nice paying uh, freelance job. And I think the only drawback is that in my personal experience, it depends completely on what kind of client you get. Because right. I've had two I've had two clients that I can't name off the top of my head. One of them was an absolute angel, and I work very well with them still to this day. The other one, the relationship between me and them was becoming more toxic, if that makes sense. Like, actually, you know, I will get into it a little bit. (laughs) I will. So... Although it paid well, um, and the artwork that I was given permission to show, I've already taken down from most of my sites and, like, media. 
but the line between it being a business relationship and I guess like a weird dependency, you know, mm-hmm. because the people who I've gotten for commissions aren't necessarily from larger companies. It's usually individuals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those individuals are friends, right? Right. Like I think everyone's had, well, most people who do take commissions have had a friend have been like, I want your art, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So something like that wasn't uncommon for me, but there was a line that was constantly being crossed that made this job very uncomfortable for me. Mm. And it became something that really negatively impacted my own mental health. I've been there, yeah. And it was to a point that, like, it didn't matter how much you were paying me, you know? It didn't matter if you were constantly up front. It didn't matter if you were on time. You know, like, I'm only supposed to be doing artwork for you. Like, I'm not getting paid for all this extra shit that's going on, you know? No, I... Honestly, there's no amount you could pay me to be a creator and also your therapist. I'm going to be honest. That was basically what happened. And that, like, all those things that were happening with that specific client... It happened like a few months after COVID was starting and it aligned with like really bad events in my life. So it was like not only that, you know, but I had to act as this person's therapist. That immediately feels like a red flag. It's like, I trust you. It was a huge red flag. Like, as soon as, as soon as they feel like they can can trust you, it's just like, dude, no, no, you know? Yeah, one thing, I think, honestly, one thing I would recommend to anyone about freelance is, like, if the person you're speaking to should only ever come to you for art, you're not getting paid for anything else. No. You're giving them art. They're giving you money. That money's going into production of artwork, and that's it. That's the relationship. Yeah, just just know who to trust, which fortunately, I, I guess most people are. Like, I, I'm sure, honestly, I take it you probably just shun anyone who's, who's like, Hey, make me this. Um, I don't know if I'll pay you, but I'll reward you this. It's like, nope. Oh, no, 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 definitely. Like, <laughs> I don't accept payments whatsoever and like, oh, I'll buy you a game or I'll give you Steam credits or I'll give you a gift card. Like, that's no. not gonna buy me groceries. It's like, no, they, no, this, this artist, <laughs> this artist needs to make a living too, guys. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And I understand where people like that do come from, but... I think as a creator, it's up to you to decide where to draw the line, you oh, know? Yeah. You need to set boundaries like, before any, any shit goes down. Yeah, and unfortunately, the person who I was speaking of that I had as a freelance client, like, they were one of the first people who started commissioning me, for one. Like, I had regular commissions with them dating back to, like, 2017. Mm. And then I started working freelance for them 2019, cut it off in 2020. Right. Yeah, I've done that before. So they were like my first experience with that in general. And I'm very grateful for the client I have now. They've been great to me. And please be choosy with your clients. <laughs> like, please yeah. be choosy. Please raise their prices. Like, I, it's good to, especially with, like, commissions. Like, if you're starting out, like, yeah, start out a little bit low so you can get at least some regular commissioners, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then slowly increase them. But don't keep them low forever. Like, it'll be more worthwhile in the end if you only got three commissions at once. But you're being paid a crap ton more for those commissions than if you were to take on 10 at a time. Oh, yeah. It's also good if, like, let's say the average person sells, like, $100 for one thing, and that ends up selling more than, like, something that's 25 bucks. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and in general, like, it might be intimidating to have your stuff low, but it's really up to you as an individual to market yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, like you need to set your foot out there. Like, posting your information once and then kind of just hoping for something to happen, like, I don't think is good practice. Like, you got to, like, really, like, throw yourself out there, you know? Yeah. How do you even feel about stuff like Patreon? In what regard? Well, just in terms of setting up and, like, what type of rewards you can get. Because, like, I was even talking to a friend, and they said it perfectly that as soon as you get a decent high following, that's when it's a pretty reasonable idea to start it up, not when you're, like, kind of low. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's good to at least fiddle with the settings so you can understand it and, like, also observe how other artists are using Patreon. But it's definitely good, like, if you're going to keep a lot of your artwork digital, for one, you need to have a following. You need to, like, get a following before you start something like that because I think it's better to have something out there, you know? Yeah. Some, like, some form of your work out there so that people know what they're going to be subscribing to. Like, if you're someone with no followers, you've got one artwork on there, and then you're like, oh, I also have a Patreon. Like, no one's going to go for that. But if you've been posting animations, like, at least once a month, high-quality animations, like, animation clips or whatever, you know, like, you might get some people who are like, okay, I want to see the behind-the-scenes of that. Like, I want to see what's going on, you know? Like, right. I... And there's people who might want, like, the little extra stuff that comes in between instead of, like, only following what you're posting on Twitter or what you're posting on YouTube or posting on Instagram, you know? Right, right. It helps to have special features. Yeah, exactly. I feel like even people who release short films and festivals, like, they probably still have Patreon pages and it's for, like, behind-the-scenes work of their stuff. Because I think even, like, some films were funded in those ways. The Oscar-winning short Hair Love was actually funded either by Kickstarter or Indiegogo, one of those things. But that's an example. Yeah, yeah, I think the same principle applies to Kickstarter or Indiegogo, too. Like, you need to have a little bit of a following or be able to in some capacity, advertise it well enough for it to get any attention, you know? That's true. But then again, how many of us can say that we created the, the Proud family and then say, hey, we made a short film, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh. Hey, but you never know. You might have, like, one really good thing, and then you might just have a bunch of people who follow your work because of that one really good thing. That's true. Like, even um, the co-creator of that Adult Swim pilot, Smiling Friends and Yellow Crystal Fantasy, was not too well known but like by the the late 2010s he and like his partner psychic pebbles were pretty much had solid followings to the point where everyone was like whoa man check this out you know <laughs> so yeah that's a good example i th- i feel like everyone's a work in progress too like if anyone does genuinely want us to support any like newcomers like work just do it on your own terms and the rewards will come slowly very slowly yeah it's a work in it's a work in progress. It's, I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> so with the freelance work mentioned, um, how regularly do you use social media to promote your content? I only recently started doing it in nice. the past like two three months. Actually, more so in like two months. Uh, but in terms of social media, though, by that I mean like oh, being active on Twitter and Tumblr. Yeah. I usually have been promoting my art on Discord servers. <laughs> And that's how I've gotten most of, like, my clients nice. for regular commissions, too. Yeah, Discord's, like, a pretty good hub for artists to, to just share stuff around. Mm-hmm. Even that Netflix movie, uh, Arlo the Alligator Boy, I, I think that, like, even the credits said they did, because it was made in the pandemic, they shared their files via, like, SyncSketch and Discord. 
Yes. Discord's a really great place to share files, at least if you have, like, Nitro. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> that, that definitely helps. So since we mentioned art school earlier and all that, um, just out of curiosity, out of all the art schools to go to upon, like, finishing up your, you know, standardized education and all that, what got you interested in going to um, MICA in the first place? All right, so... Firstly, I was not going to go to art school. Oh. Um, I was going to go into computer programming. Oh, nice. Nice. Possibly video game development, but probably more website programming is what I was going to go into. Right, right. But the reason why I went to MICA was kind of like a spur of the moment sort of thing like I got accepted into the colleges that I wanted to go to for programming and I was ready to get into that department but for me personally I just kind of weighed between the two options like did I want to be sitting in an office typing code for the rest of my life or did I want to do something that I actually wanted to do regardless of how much of a struggle it could be for me and I think that I'm privileged in having the opportunity to go to art school and I'm privileged in having support from my family. But for me, if I'm going to have the choice, I might as well take it. For sure. I think at the the end of the day too, it's like whatever you enjoy the most, like you'll fit in and you'll end up embracing things that you just did not embrace or get to embrace in the more like archaic conservative educational system. Yeah. And I had a lot of issues with my family about going to art school, but I don't regret it. I'd rather be doing this than sitting around and typing code. I'd rather... Like, I only I only even pursued that because I was told like, that's how you make money. Nothing... I was good at it, but didn't mean I wanted to do it. <laughs> nothing against my hometown, but... I am so glad I went to art school instead of Rutgers. I feel like with <laughs> the uni- I don't think I would have fit in in a university at all. I would have failed on month one. Oh, no. <laughs> then again, I feel like, honestly, just to speak about the privilege of transferring from one college to another, Christ, if I came to Micah straight out of high school, I, I would have failed in semester one. I kind of feel that, actually. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't straight to Micah, but like I think my, my art would definitely was not at the standard that I would have liked it to be. Oh neither was with mine. Neither was mine. I saw like there were some really incredible artists that I saw and I was just like, damn shit. I'm like kind of shit at this, huh? Yeah. But that's the thing. No 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 you can also look at everyone's art and you're, you're like wow I gotta get better. And like again even if it takes a while you end up creating stuff that's so much better compared to what you made before. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I used to, to hate drawing stuff really slowly because it was just like, eh, I didn't want to do, do this. I didn't want to do this. And now it's just like, man, dude, I can draw for fucking hours, depending on the mood, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's the best part about doing animation. You don't even have to be a good draftsman. You, you just got to make them move well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever, That's true. Whenever people say, like, oh, college student animation designs are so simple, I'm like, hey, I'll give you a tablet wise guy. Now you give this a try. <laughs> and they, their brain just gets destroyed after, a, like, a few seconds. <laughs> so, but, yeah, like, long story short, I take it that as soon as you, you were in art school, you were like, I have finally found my niche. Yep. Nice. And... 
<laughs> what's been keeping me going this whole time is like you know what i do art i'm making this my thing i'm gonna fucking own it <laughs> own it like the connoisseur <laughs> actually uh speaking of art projects and all that um are there any other works that you're currently planning to make in the future, be it like animations or commissions or stuff like that? Uh, so for my freelance job, I actually um, am currently working on an animatic for a fighting sequence. Nice. It's basically, I don't know if you know it, it's an original character that they made for JoJo, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I get to animate that character riding on a horse. Nice. Which is gonna be scary actually <laughs> unless you're doing rotoscope like animating horses is so painful i'm not gonna be doing rotoscope <laughs> i'm just gonna do it and see if it's gonna happen i'll oh. make it happen it's gonna be great so i think we'll wrap this up with two more questions um so not to say that it's necessarily gotten easier for people to do freelance work but at least during you know these times of the pandemic and quarantine and all that even though we're all getting vaccinated it seems like people are finding it a much more convenient time to make a living, if, if not following, out of creating work remotely. So what advice can you give to people wanting to create their own work online, whether it be in regards to, you know, making a living or just doing it as a, a hobby? Um, be consistent about it, you know. First, when it comes to posting online in general, you should be consistent with it. Of course, keep your responsibilities in mind and make sure to do the things for your professional life, first and foremost. Like, if you know you've got a job you have to do, go do that job. If you know you've got a commission you got to do, yeah. go do that commission, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you're trying to develop a social media presence, it's really important to just keep being active, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it depends entirely on what kind of personality you want to put out there, you know? But Definitely. if you're posting artwork... Post as much as you can. Like, the more you put out there, the more likely someone's going to see it. If you only post once in a blue moon, unless you've got, like, God-tier artwork, like, that's not going to work out. Yeah, no. Like, as much as I want to say it, I like where my art is, but it's not God-tier artwork. No. You're, you're, <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to post it. I'm not going to be able to throw out one illustration and be like, yep, that's my thing. You, and, you did not have the luck to be an art prodigy. Yeah, right? If you're, mm -hmm. if you're not a prodigy, <laughs> uh. so often that you get your following. You get people who want to see your work, who want to see you just talk. There's some people that will follow you for all sorts of reasons. That's literally how I've met some of my closer friends. I just saw their work and I was like, oh, that's cool. We hit it up, you know? <laughs> By posting more often, you also have the opportunity to meet other artists. Like, even though, like, I post a lot of Jujutsu Kaisen, and a lot of the artists that I've met are all related to Jujutsu Kaisen, there's a few artists that I've been able to see the work of and be able to engage with them, and it's been additionally enriching for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, of course, even though I say it's important to post daily, it is very important to take a break. Oh, yeah. If you do start getting a following, like... Don't let yourself get addicted to posting online and to checking social media. Take that day break away from it, you know? Take the few days. You don't. Of course, once you get a following, you won't have to post as much, you know? Stay consistent with your work, but also be aware of your own mental health, you know? You know what? It's funny you mentioned that. When I, when I started off in Micah, most of my time there, you, you know, on campus, I, I just remember being bombarded with so much work. I barely took care of myself. 
Then, as soon as the pandemic happened, all of a sudden, I just felt a lot more relaxed. I don't even know what it is. I don't know if it was like spending more time with family or just getting to, to like go outside more and, and be more familiar with, with my surroundings, all that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure for, for, for others, they weren't as fortunate. But I think other people did kind of like reach a similar point, I think. You know, don't don't quote me on that. But I don't know. Like, I don't know if you felt the same or anything, but... I don't know. I, I feel like just taking it easy is kind of what the pandemic did for some. Not all, but some. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I, Of course, um, there are some things in my life that are out of control because of the pandemic. But art-wise, I've been able to do a lot more. Right. You know, I've been able to focus on it more. Yeah. And that's probably just a result of me being in front of my computer all the time. <laughs> but... <laughs> but you know i'll I'll take it (laughs) (laughs) that helps definitely helps to basically have your computer be your child at this point (laughs) mine's named herman what's yours you know i haven't named mine yet (laughs) name it kamiko kamiko i don't know that's Hmm. that's an idea or you can you can name it chrissy jr how about that Me. I don't know if I could handle it emotionally. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, so with all the stuff said and done, I'm going to wrap this up with my end all be all question. So, whether it be personal or professional, what would you say have been both the toughest and proudest moments in growing through your art, at least as of now? I think the toughest part in a my journey as an artist has been being able to accept the fact that there will always be much more skilled and more impressive artists who can produce amazing artwork in a short amount of time that my artwork won't be as up to standard with. Right. And have a more positive relationship with my art and be able to enjoy what I'm doing and love what I'm doing without being so overly critical of it. Right. Because I think you yourself are your worst critic in the end. Definitely. And it's taken, it's taken me a while to get to the point where I can look at my art and be like, I like where I've come. This artwork that I've done may not be the best that I've ever done, but it's certainly better than my work from last year. (laughs) Yeah. It's certainly better than the artwork from two years ago. Developing that relationship with my art and also being able to look on my art and be able to acknowledge that I'm improving, you know? Yeah. As the old saying goes, practice makes perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Which even then, you could be spending like the next, I don't know, 50 years of your life still doing it and you might not get there, but it's not about becoming a master. It's just about doing what you love and just getting better at it each and every time, you know? hmm But yeah, so... Who knows how long it'll take until you finally reach your magnum opus. It might be next year. It might be in the next 10 years. Who knows? But got to keep trucking, right? (laughs) You just got to keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) No matter what. But yeah, like regardless of whenever that'll come, we'll just wait and see what what happens. But in the meantime, that should wrap up this interview. So thank you so much for your time, Christina. Thank you for having me. (laughs) No problem. And out of curiosity, uh, where can people find you your work? Um, I'm the most active on Twitter. Um, my handle is Kunu underscore Kunu. Kunu underscore Kunu. Oh my god! I'm so tired. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, we we, we gotta I'm put <laughs> we, we gotta put this uh, this peep back to sleep, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
<laughs> but you also have a website, right? Or am I thinking of your Instagram? Uh, I do have a website, but it's currently in the works right now. <laughs> ah, mm, professional practice. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Aaron Haggerty of Professional Practice or Animators at the Maryland Institute <laughs> College of Art. <laughs> practice right now i'm sorry aaron yeah <laughs> uh i miss her anyway uh thank you so much for your time peace out Bye-bye. bye bye <laughs>